I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Rainer Robinson here. And you know, as we as a society, and especially as a church, get better at talking about mental health, uh, toxic emotions, the impact it can have uh, on the way you think and on your body. Uh, and as we here take the whole man approach that I learned up at Oral Roberts University many years ago, uh, we look at body, mind, and spirit. Uh, I have a question for you. And if you read the title, you're going to know the answer. But if you didn't, hey, what is the most toxic emotion? Well, I have a psychologist here to answer that and to address that, and it's going to be very helpful. Uh, his name is Dr. Gregory Jansen. He is the founder of a place called The Center, a place of hope up in Edmonds, Washington. And so this is someone who deals with people struggling with all sorts of things uh, and helps them find uh, victory over the things that plague us, freedom from toxic emotions like the one we're going to be talking about today. So I invite you to be a part of the conversation. Chat is open if you're watching live. If you haven't followed or subscribed or hit like, I would invite you to do that. I want to show you something real quick. This is the worst thing for television because it's so reflective. But this is my YouTube award. Uh, not mine. It's Life Today's. A few months ago, we passed 100,000 subscribers. So if you're one of our YouTube subscribers, a special shout out to you. We're trying to build Rumble. Twitter looks a little more promising these days, and of course, Facebook is solid for us, and we're on Twitch and LightSource as well, and uh, now podcasting on a lot of the popular podcast formats so you can get the audio. Enough of that. Dr. Jantz, welcome to Life Today Live. Good to be with you. Those are good numbers. Hi to everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know, it's been, it, that's kind of been a passion of mine here at the ministry, an old legacy ministry that relies on broadcast television. I'm like, we got to get into some new places and we got to reach people where yeah. they're at. So yeah, it's, it's a nice uh, marker, but we keep pushing. We haven't quite hit a million on uh, Facebook, so hopefully we can, we can do that. And Facebook's gotten a little more difficult in the numbers they show people but <laughs> there are some people out there watching now or in the replay that are struggling with this toxic emotion uh and your latest uh booklet called freedom from shame uh i'm sure you get that one picked up quite a bit you see a lot of this shame well shame's an interesting word just to begin with and you mentioned yeah i'm whole it's a small little book because our attention spans have decreased <laughs> and people people want to give it to me in less than 100 pages just tell me what i need to know yeah. this is one of those 100 pages i'll tell you what you need to know about shame and uh okay so we deal with 38 years here we're a facility where people come and stay whole person faith-based and one of the things that we see is well depression anxiety is the number one diagnosis in our country anxiety hmm. uh so anxiety depression addiction and so when it all boils down to what is it do i is there a core issue or something that i really have to break through there's probably two of them Shame is one of them, mm. and I I probably should define shame. Shame yeah, just yeah. is in a word is I feel defective. Something is wrong with me. I don't know what it is, but I feel defective, and it's like I'm inherently something's wrong with me. That that's shame. 
My co-host on the broadcast show, Sheila Walsh, uh, who has had her own battle with with yes. the, yeah, mental illness. She's been very open about it. Uh, she <laughs> says that guilt says, I've done something wrong. And shame says, I am something wrong. You concur with that? I do. And it's so remarkable. I remember here recently talking to Sheila, and she was sharing um, this incredible breakthrough story. Of really, ultimately, it was about shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, feeling like no matter what, I'm not good enough. I'm not really good enough for God. I feel um, maybe I feel unlovable. Um, I feel that I, I just can't seem to get over whatever that is inside. And so the word we're putting on that feeling and that sense uh, is shame. And shame kind of, it, it, if you will, it, it kind of poisons us because it poisons our identity. We don't really know, okay, um, you know, am I good enough for anybody? Shame kind of lies to you. Shame says, well, you deserve to be treated that way. So that's shame. Where does it, where do you think it comes from? Is, is it from you know, trauma in childhood? Or is it from bad parenting? Is it just a lie from the enemy? Or is it something we tell ourselves? I mean, we're, yeah. yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Because, um, I have folks who they go, I've struggled with depression all my whole life. I've tried everything. But until I had recovery from the core issue of shame, I never got well. You go, well, where does this come from? Yeah. Well, obviously, our, our, our early bringing up uh, could be substantial. If you've had trauma in your life, uh, maybe it's significant loss. Maybe you lost a parent early on uh, and you were just a little kid. Maybe there was a, abuse. But early trauma oftentimes uh, is the starting point for shame in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- not always, but oftentimes it is. Is there any any data, do you know, that, that draws any kind of parallel between the rise in divorce rates in society and the shame that creeps in with children that manif- doesn't manifest for a couple of decades into adulthood? Do you have any idea? Yeah. And oftentimes that really can happen. You can go, well, I've sure struggled with depression my whole life for some addiction or food addiction or, and I, I've had these struggles and it wasn't till much later in your life, you connected that to maybe some early childhood uh, trauma or abuse. Yeah. And you, you've connected those two. Oh, now I'm starting to get it. I get it how this does go together. Sometimes if we've tried just to bury, bury, bury and ignore something in our life, uh, it kind of springs up in different ways. So I do believe, now I mentioned shame's the, probably the biggest core issue. And related to that is is forgiveness. Uh, It is the forgiveness of maybe just what happened to us. Sometimes it's the forgiveness of ourselves uh, if we have shame, we may have made a long series of difficult or, or painful decisions. We may have been in a pattern of relationships that were unhealthy, secret addictions, and we've got to come to a point where we go, okay, I have to release all that and forgive myself. I think that may be the hardest because it's one thing when you go, okay, you know, my my parents divorced so I didn't feel worthy, you know, or... yes. Right. I, I got into an abusive relationship with someone and they belittled me and I started to yeah. believe the lies. 
But the one that goes, you know what? I know. I know I messed up. I know I hurt people. I know I sinned. That shame, I'm not sure, it might be the most difficult to forgive, to you know, forgive yourself. But from a spiritual standpoint, we gotta, you got to go, if, if God is able to forgive us and he's perfect, can, can we not right. find someone? And that is, yeah, and you really described that so nicely, Randy. Thank you, because um, this really does describe what a lot of folks experience. They go, I could never forgive myself for the things I've done. And I and then you feel like I'm unlovable. Mm-hmm. And there's that lie we tell ourselves, it feels true, that says, you know what, God, God really can't love me. I'm really am unlovable. And um, nobody can really love me because I'm unlovable. That's shame speaking. Mm-hmm. That's the loud voice, the lie of shame. So and that's a great way to describe it for someone who may be not sure what my problem is. <laughs> but if, if yeah. you feel yeah. if you convince yourself you're unlovable, it may just be shame that's crept in. Are there other some are there other some uh, are there some other telltale signs that shame is kind of what's plaguing you? Yeah, and, and I think sometimes we see this. If you feel like you've had a struggle for a very long time, you go, "I've struggled with that my whole life." Uh, maybe it's uh, a pattern of really unhealthy relationships. Maybe it's a secret addiction. Mm. Maybe it's, uh, I mentioned food, maybe a, an, in secret, I've had this addiction my whole life. And um, whatever it is, it's something you've tried to keep hidden because you're ashamed of it. And so reoccurring themes in your life, reoccurring patterns, uh, we look, okay, well, have we ever looked at the core core issue of shame at some point in your life there could have been something that happened uh, that uh, you started believing a lie about yourself i can give you a really somewhat simple one that happened to me uh, years ago i think it was third grade so that was a while ago (laughs) i remember i remember i don't remember the teacher's name but i remember what the what I recall the teacher saying, the teacher said, Greg, you'll never be good at math. (laughs) (laughs) Just give it up. That's a great teacher. That was the message. (laughs) I don't remember the exact words, but the message is you'll never be good at math from third grade on. Man, was I good at math? No. Was I had anxiety around math when I got to college and I had to take classes like statistics <laughs> that were numbers. Did I have anxiety? Did I have a tutor? Did I have everything I could get to help me get through that? I did. Cause, but here's what was happening. One day this tutor in college said, you know what, Greg, you're really pretty good at this. You don't need my help. Hmm. I go, what? No, I need your help. I, I can't do, I've never been able to do math. No, I don't think that's true. Hmm. And so shame, see, shame can be a part of our identity. We start to believe a lie. We believe a lie and we can carry it for a long time, but there can be a point of revelation that says, okay, wait, maybe that wasn't the truth and I can get over this. I know that sounds simple, but that's an example of what it can do to you. Yeah, well, no, I mean, and I think that that's relatable for so many people because, you know, we all struggle with things or we've had things said to us and we kind of go, we kind of just take it, you know, 
Uh, and, then, and when it develops into shame over something, something that we don't want to talk about, something that we don't feel bad, you know, we feel less of ourselves about, uh, or to the point where, like you said, we feel unlovable, it really, it, it damages everything. And I don't, I don't know that people realize the power of it sometimes. So here's, okay, before I get to the key question, which is how do we get rid of it, right? I do have one oddball question for you. Most most of my questions, I, I try to throw softballs over the plate. This is my curveball, so just warn you right up front. Because I grew up in, um, you know, a fairly a younger younger life, fairly strict Southern Baptist kind of culture. Yeah, yeah. And they would use shame as a tool, uh, as as that they would view it as a positive tool sometimes to get people to sure. behave the way that we should as Christians. <clears throat> However, it was oftentimes used on things that had no scriptural basis uh, to take an, yeah. uh, uh, what, what will seem kind of a funny example to some people perhaps, but some people will get it. Uh, I, I was, um, told that there was a band called Whiteheart back in the 80s. Steve yeah. Green was the first lead singer of Whiteheart. On their first album, Steve Green was the lead singer. Uh, okay. If that tells you anything, how mild it was. But they had one song that had a guitar solo, electric guitar solo on it. And I had to no. take down my Whiteheart poster off my wall because this music was imitating the world. And I was shamed into thinking that Whiteheart, yeah. Petra, and if you listen to Res Band, you were completely lost right yeah which all changed when i went to a resband concert but but my point is that some sometimes even in the church we can use shame as a, a, a coercive tool to get behavior that we want uh and we think that it's righteous so is is there is there is this a real thing this false type of shame that in of itself is a, is a lie mm-hmm. i that's such a great example because it it really it creates a false guilt. Yeah, makes me feel bad about something that that really um, I didn't need to yeah, at all. You shouldn't feel bad about it, <laughs> right? I know I, yeah. I had too much of that, and, and yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's okay. I grew up in the middle of the sunflowers in Kansas in the Bible Belt, and I grew up in in uh, the little country church where I went to the altar as a young man every Sunday. Oh gosh, yeah. because I was just. Not sure I was saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and me both. Okay, right. so so that now, no, honestly, that created a sense of, am I okay? Do I need to get saved again huh. and again? <laughs> so what do we what, yeah, um, what do we do with that? Because that's not that's not not real shame. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But we start to believe a lie, and I think that's why I always say, you know, shame lies to us. It's uh, it's it's usually just the opposite. And we need to just put it in its proper place. If we look at it in a spiritual sense, I think it's a tool of the, of the enemy because it holds us back. It lies to us. Mm-hmm. And the opposite of shame is really a sense of freedom. I have freedom. And I like to say, you know, I have, I have freedom in who, who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. There's freedom. Now, as a human being, we make mistakes. The appropriate thing to do is to seek forgiveness, and but but not to live with a heavy sense of shame that there's something inherently wrong with you. That's the lie. All right. So now the key question: <laughs> what, what do we do with it? How do I get rid of this? 
So, you know, one of the things is um, there's times where I need to um, really seek wise counsel. Uh, I need to maybe do something more intensively where I really got to look at because sometimes there'll be a whole pattern. Uh, I think of the gal who was told, why can't you be more like your sister? Look at her. And so it started off with comparisons and you've had a deep wound. And instead of being more like your sister, you did just the opposite. You lived a, a total opposite life because, and, but that's where it started. And so maybe there's the pattern of what, it, what did I do to cope with that? That was unhealthy. I, I need to address that. Um, it's a chance to radically change a direction in our life. And do, is it easy? Not easy. Can I do it? Yes, you can do it. And I can tell you that uh, people have aha experiences and that uh, that desire for addiction or that heaviness of depression that just would not leave you. You start to feel, you start to feel a breakthrough. So now you have uh, this, this is a website for a place of hope uh, for the center. Uh, is it a place of hope.com up in Evans, Washington? Um, what, how, how many of you, the people that you see, does this, does shame, is, is it a central part of what they're struggling with? Well, you know, we work with folks from all around the country who come in and at times, the reason why we're called a place of hope is years ago, that's what uh, clients kept saying on a feedback survey that this is a place of hope. We actually changed our name <laughs> to a place of hope. So um, that said, I think it's a frequent theme. When somebody says, you know, you're my last hope. I've struggled with depression. I've tried every medication there is. Um, this is my last hope. I thought I'd give this a try. That's a person who's probably had a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. The person who's had a reoccurring addiction in their life. You know, so there is a, if you will, there's a divine, there's a healing. There's, there's a spiritual side to this that we have to look at as well. Uh, some of this feels, um, for the person that's never felt worthy, they've never felt lovable, they've never been happy with themselves, they look in the mirror and there's a degree of self-hatred towards themselves. Mm -hmm. So this is this is radical change, this is radical healing um, for somebody that's not seen any other way. So. It's probably nearly 100% of what we see in those that seek help. Wow, wow. And you know, it's interesting because you, you know, as a psychologist, you are in the area of science, but yet you're dealing with something that can't be held in your hand, hard, yeah. hard to quantify, hard to That's right. measure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's, uh, science is self-limiting because it has to be. And yep. I think if we, if we don't look past that to the spiritual element, you, you're just not gonna ever get there my two cents um so what what do what someone who may be watching right now who is gone okay man this guy is he's nailed my situation i am dealing with shame what, what do they need to know today that will set them on a right path one of the things you might want to do is uh on that website aplaceofhope.com there is a fairly extensive uh, depression and anxiety test or questionnaire. It it's, takes a little bit of time because it's really extensive. Mm. It's free. It's confidential. 
only you can see what you're doing on it and it's going to give you a score i'm going to give you some free downloads um as a place to get started it's i want to know and it's important for you to know how many of all these symptoms am i experiencing and there's a lot of different things to look at and then what can i do today so i i it's a, it's a gift. It's a, some digital downloads of just some things to start on. So do something. That's a, something that's free. doesn't cost you anything. You can get going. Um, the other thing is in the, in the little, our little mini book, um, I have a little chapter called Replacing the Script of Shame. Okay, how do I start changing how I've been living and, and the, uh, telling myself the truth? Um, how do I, and let me just say, it's going to take some practice. For some, hmm. I need to seek some outside help. I need somebody to walk with me. For others, uh, it's so overwhelming that I probably need some more intensive help, like what we do here. Yeah. But at some level, begin today to do something. Take a baby step today to do something. And that's such that that sounds simple, but it's huge. Uh, because you, you really, you're, you're trying to change the way that your brain functions and yeah. the, it, it sounds overwhelming, but you know, it's like the old joke about how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Right. So it's just taking that step. Now you mentioned something in there, uh, that, uh, sometimes when, you know, we need others to walk with us and that, yeah. that leads me to another little booklet that you guys sent me right here and it's called the power of connection and i think this is uh one place one thing that in, in today's uh, you know the fast moving culture you really think about it it hadn't been until the last couple of generations that people moved from town to town as, as freely as we do we relocate jobs we you know you can apply for someplace across the country and some of that may be shifting with the internet with working at home and things like that, but we uproot a lot. Uh, and we, and we don't connect as much because of course COVID anybody that had that tendency, they just got used to being isolated. Mm -hmm. how, how, how damaging is that to us as people? If we're not connected. Yeah. yeah. Isolation. Um, one of the things, you know, through pandemic and so forth, we did a lot of isolation. Mm -hmm. We pulled away from people. We pulled away from support systems. And there was a price to pay for that isolation. Uh, our kids, we had the highest academic failure on record <laughs> just for our kids. Depression rates skyrocketed. We've never ever seen the level of addiction that we are still seeing now hmm. uh, in the heat of the pandemic people were uh turning to alcohol drugs food you name it um and addiction rates began to skyrocket and they've remained that way hmm. and so there's a price to pay for what we've done and you may still be struggling with something that it was from a couple years ago or three years ago that's and maybe you're you're still struggling and you're in isolation if you're struggling with an addiction you do it in private it's you isolate i'm just noticing how much we really do need each other and how important our relationships are 
and healing will come through relationship with others. We we really can't do this alone. I, I just, I, not long ago, I said it to my wife. I go, you know, when it all boils down to it, I guess what we have is the quality of our relationships. That, that's what's left. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's put a focus on healthy relationships. I can only imagine that if you're dealing with, with shame, which is rooted in lies, right? And then you mm-hmm. isolate. And especially if you throw an addiction on top of that, even if it's, maybe you wouldn't consider a, a full-blown addiction, but just some unhealthy habits we tell ourselves, right? Yes. Uh, the, yeah. late, the late night ice cream, uh, speaking for a friend. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but no, seriously, when you, when you compound shame and isolation, that to me just seems like a toxic cocktail right there. Yeah. Um, and we, we want to, I call it mood modulate. We want to change how we feel. Mm-hmm. And so I go to that half ground, half gallon of ice cream, you know, in the evening, cause it's temporarily changing how I feel. But afterwards, I feel worse. Right. <laughs> uh, but for a period of time, that's, and that's so true of any addiction. Um, the more I drink, I feel worse. But there's that short, short span where I feel, I think I feel better, but I, really I end up not feeling better. Yeah. And that's kind of the lie of addiction. So uh, isolation, it's our, it's what we feel like doing. If you feel overwhelmed, you feel despondent, you feel in despair, you're depressed, you feel unlovable, well, you just kind of pull away from people. I'm just saying that we come to a place where we've got to get back into relationship and part of our healing will come through relationships with others. So the power of connections that are healthy. Some connections are not. Yeah. I'm not talking about those. Right. But the power of a healthy relationship, the power of gratitude in a relationship. Gratitude is powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, as people develop gratitude, you know, we've even done studies on gratitude, studied what difference does it make if a person has gratitude in their life? Well, they live longer, they report less disease, they report happier relationships. Hmm, gratitude. <laughs> okay, yeah. so... Uh, something that is all comes through the power of connection. I I would imagine. Well, okay. There's a saying that says light is the best disinfectant. Um, mm. And and I I think one of the lies that holds us back and keeps us isolated is that if I told my spouse, my loved one, my pastor, my <laughs> confidant friend, uh, especially if they are uh, a Christian in someone you know we perceive as having yeah. these high standards if i tell them what i'm really like they're not gonna like me but i i i find yeah. the opposite is true in most cases yeah we have that underlying fear of rejection that could be tied to shame yeah they're, they're not really gonna like me um i really can't be in relationship with them uh, all those lies that are told. But what told. I find, no. and I'm curious if you see this uh, in you, you're dealing with people, is that we, we confess our shortcomings, our, our sins, our failures, our missing the marks uh, with another person, that that's where healing is. That's literally what Scripture says, right? Do, yeah. Is, is there some healing that starts to take place when we have that a good place to go and say, look, I'm struggling in this area or I failed in this area. Um, I'm hiding this thing. I'm isolating. I feel shame. 
Is, is that one of the steps that you see that often leads people to wholeness? Yes, it is. Absolutely. And it's so important that you've shared this because um, having a safe place and a safe person for us to tell the truth, that alone is quite healing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're afraid of judgment, harshness, criticalness, um, but to be able to really just tell the truth and uh, people need three things. They need a sense of acceptance or love. They need a sense of feeling understood and they need a sense of value. And that's that's why we need to be in relationship. That's good. That's good. Um, it's so good. And I hope somebody, you know, some people that are watching this, they start to really think about where they're at and have some hope because there is hope. And, and taking these little steps, that will actually they, they you may have just terrifying fear of taking those first early steps but that's where the hope is and mm-hmm. so i would encourage anyone to do that dr jance i appreciate your time and insight is there anything you want to add before i let you go there is hope you said it well and thank you for that and do if you're struggling today do take the first step at least do that extensive questionnaire and get the free downloads Yep, and you can do that at aplaceofhope.com. It's on the screen, or if you're listening, aplaceofhope.com. Uh, you, you, there are a lot of great resources, including the booklets on, on shame and the power of connection. So do it. Take the step. You will be rewarding yourself by taking that first hard step. So do that yeah. today. And if you know someone that, that will benefit from this, hit that share button. And come back. We've got more for you right here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. And if Jesus loves you so very much, surely you are ready now to believe him, to receive him, and to receive the healing from body, mind, and soul.